Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that shows you how to become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Wershing. The survival of your firm depends on innovation, but innovation is hard and risky. Invest in the wrong thing and you'll have wasted time and money at the least, possibly even compromising your business at the worst. How can you know what kind of innovation to pursue and how? One way to get critical guidance is to check with clients. Clients are the ultimate experts in what they're willing to buy and what they value, but it's not as simple as asking them what services to introduce or how to change your processes. They don't know. In this episode, Julie and I discuss how to enlist clients in co-creating that innovation in your business. We talk about what kind of feedback to seek and productive ways of asking for it. The future of your business in this fast-changing industry depends on smart innovation. This discussion will give you valuable insights on how to uncover the guidance to take your business in the right direction. Here now is my conversation with Julie on how to get client feedback to guide successful innovation. Hey, Julie. So, today we're going to talk about innovation. Well, that's so, a small concept. Uh, right, you know, exactly. I mean, we it's can like probably we're tackle about that in half an hour world. or less. Yeah, right. Yeah. Let's talk about the future. That yeah. we can hand, we can knock that out in thirty minutes. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so no, but we we I, I know that you and I were talking that we wanted to talk specifically about innovation and 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 even more specifically about um, you know about how client feedback ties into that. How you can essentially you know engage your clients to co-create that future and including you know what kinds of things you innovate with, but. But let, let's just start with the idea of innovation. So as, as you as we were just joking, it's a pretty big idea. But so what 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 so what more specifically about uh, does uh, innovation mean to you? Well, I think I mean, when I think about innovation, I tend to go to the design process. And, you know, one of the things that jumps out for me is that there's a big difference between improvement and innovation. And sometimes we talk about them kind of in the same breath. I think they're both critical, obviously. They're both important, um, but they're different. Um, And so typically when I'm thinking about innovation, I I think about it as a design or development process. So it's like you're building in an innovative way. So the result is more innovative rather than it's this strategy or it's this tactic. So, um, you know, I think when you look at some of the companies that we think of as innovative, they tend to follow, you know, they have a process in place to really think through design and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, the example I always use is is like a Starbucks, which is entirely not at all creative. But, um, you know, <laughs> having said that, we use them for, for good reason often. And, you know, just to walk through that thinking, I guess, is if – you know, at the end of the day, they, they provide coffee, they sell coffee. And, and if, if we went into their boardroom and they had an improvement mindset, they would probably be thinking about how do we make it taste better, make it hotter or, or what have you. But they, like so many, I think, take more of an innovation approach and say, it's, 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 yes, it's about the product, but more importantly, it's about understanding how this product fits into the lives of our clients. And, and I think when you start asking those questions, right, when you start really thinking about the entire client journey and, you know, in Starbucks case, it's, it's clear that, um, you know, they looked at why people go to Starbucks, how long they stay, where they sit, what they're doing while they're there, you know, all of that. And so the environment ends up being one of their innovations, clearly, uh, among other things. So, so to me, yeah, it's, it's a bit like 
Dyson, right? The, des- the innovation is in the design. And when you take this kind of approach, you end up being very innovative. I mean, what do you, what do you think about it what do you, when you think about innovation? Well, I, I, I think, you know, you're bringing up a whole lot of really interesting points. And I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's useful to think about what kinds of innovation there are. So, for example, you know, you can, you can innovate by coming up with a new service. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if Dyson, um, you know, came up with some way to clean that wasn't a vacuum cleaner, mm-hmm. that, would, that would be an innovation. So mm-hmm. you, you might, you know, so when we say innovation, you know, some advisors might think, oh, well, there's a new service I could do, or there's some new thing I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, Or um, the innovation could be um, how you do it, but in a better way, which is, you know, like you were talking about Dyson, you know, has, has a different, you know, they build their vacuum cleaners differently. And so, and the idea is it sucks up dirt better. So that's a kind of innovation. Uh, Or, you know, I think more, I think more interestingly uh, is what you were talking about in terms of Starbucks, which is you can innovate in how your client experiences you. Um, Mm -hmm. And so where, you know, Dunkin' Donuts and and Tim Hortons and lots of places, you know, might think about how we do coffee differently, but Howard Schultz sat down and said, um, let's not talk about coffee. Let's talk about the experience. Let's talk about a, a space that is somewhere between work and home that involves coffee. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's, it's a bit of a trap sometimes because as you said, an improvement can be an innovation, right? I mean, technically, but I think it's a trap to believe that just because you do something a little better, it's like the better mouse trap trap, if you will, um, (laughs) that, that somehow that's innovative, right? Because sometimes we do hear that. And I I question it where a, a firm might say, well, we've, you know, we truly care about our clients or we have a six step planning process or we have, you know, as if that's somehow an innovation when clearly it's not. And they may do it better than anyone else, but it's not a recognizable innovation in that sense. Yeah. And, you know, you're uh, you're also suggesting another another aspect of this that's really important, which is just because you're doing some, you know, an innovation is not necessarily valuable in itself. It's 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 valuable to the extent that it improves or enhances the client experience. And we saw this a lot early on when when advisors began talking about things like client portals, like, oh, we're going to have a website, mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to open up a portal on the website. And so we're going to we're going to innovate by rolling out these webs, these portals. And then they would find that like 1% of their clients would take advantage of it because, you know, the, it was clearly an innovation and it was clearly something new and 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 potentially useful. But the clients didn't see it as something that was valuable to them. Well, yeah, and, so, and I and and so maybe categorizing is helpful to say, well, there's innovation that makes us more efficient. But let's be mm-hmm. real about that. It's about y- you and your business and and operating more efficiently, and that's great. But that doesn't mean that the client's going to recognize it, like you say. And and right. there's innovation on both sides. Uh, but if we're talking about Becoming referable, for example, as, exactly. we, as we sometimes do, as we as we once in a while talk about, yeah. Um, then I think we need to think more about the client experience and exactly, and what's, exactly. What's so there. yeah, I, I think you know, t- talking about how you might use your CRM in a different way, or mm-hmm. if you go from from physical files to you know digital files, you know that that we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk yeah. about the kind of innovation that affects the client. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So you know, I. I know we both think about client feedback or client input and, and how that 
that plays into it. And I think, you know, you could, you could also think about Starbucks here because I think they are like a lot of progressive firms, very good at co-creating the experience. You mentioned that word at, at the outset and, and that's another form of innovation, I think, right? It's, it's, it's a necessary part of this, uh, you know, you can, and it's the scope of that uh, co-creation that interests me with, with Starbucks because yes, they invite input on, I don't know, the strength of the coffee or whatever it is that they, and a lot of people have opinions on that, I've noticed, but um, <laughs> but they also get input on things like the social causes that they support, right? And and what they're doing at a local level versus at a national level. So it's almost co-creating how they show up in the world to some extent, which is a much broader definition of co-creation. So that that I think that role of of input is is really critical to this. Do you, do you see that in the work that you do? Well, I do, and I I totally agree with you that um, you know just like we were suggesting before, you know, it, it innovation is not necessarily valuable, and um, like the example with the client portals, if you're going to innovate um, in terms of how you interact with clients or the services that you provide or the causes you support or what role your advisory firm plays in the community. Really, I mean, you and I are both on the same page about the importance of the client's role in that, because unless you consult with them, you might innovate, but it may not add value. And if you're not adding value, then what are you investing for? You know, what's what's going to be the return on that investment? Yeah, and it's it's so easy to try to fix problems that we think exist with innovation, <laughs> but uh, but we're leading with assumption, and and it's right. it's it's right. not a great place to be. And and yeah, I think that's the role of, you know, I always like to differentiate between feedback and input. I'm thinking more of input here. But if we can understand the problems that our clients are facing, the challenges, the concerns, the aspirations, you know, all of that in a formal way, then then that's that's the seed of innovation, right? That's telling us something about what kind of problems that we can solve. And frankly, problems that if you went out right now and said to your clients, how should we innovate? Right? I'll guarantee right, you, right. you'll get virtually nothing back that you can right, use. Exactly. Because that's not their job, right? It's it's not what they need to be doing. Well, and, and also it's not fair mm-hmm. um, because that's, first of all, that's hard work. Um, and, uh, and, and you need to train to do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Steve Jobs was fond of pointing out that, you know, it's, it's our job to have the good ideas and bring them to people to anticipate what people yeah. need before they understand that they need it. And um, so that might, you know, that might argue in the direction of, well, what use is, is client feedback? But, but what, I think what you were sort of just alluding to and what I'm a, a totally committed to is the idea that, um we have to do that investigative work. We have mm-hmm. to do that, that creative work because um, that, that's our job. It's not our, just our jobs to come up with new ideas and try new things out. It's our job to figure out what new ideas will add value. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 it's like I, I, repeat, I love repeating this story about Henry Ford all the time. It's certainly yeah. not true, but it's too good a story not yes. to tell. Yes. Um, and that's, you know, that he was reputed to have said, um, you know, if I'd asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, so, and that's at the base yeah. of all of this, right? And right. It's, it's exactly. very true. It's very true. And, and yet, so, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So, so, I mean, a part of our job and part of, you know, the kinds of things that you do and that I do, you know, it can, can go to out there and unearth clues, yeah. l- l- looking for sort of like what, what kinds of things does this feedback suggest 
um, so that we, so that that sort of informs our, our innovation work. Yeah, precisely. And, and it's, you know, you don't go to a doctor and say, you know, how, how can I help you better? I mean, they're going to ask you how you're feeling. They're going to, and I think those are the types of questions that start to unearth or provide those clues. As you said, it's, what are your big concerns? Where are you challenged? What gets right. in the way? You know, you know, how are you feeling? All, all of those things start to, and, and I would argue, um, I mean, those are quite broad-based forms of, of input, but, you know, you can tie this into client journey mapping and really start getting quite precise about different stages of the client journey and what they're thinking and feeling and doing at, at all of those stages. That's, that's definitely another form of this. Right, right. And so, you know, we can think about a couple different categories. We can talk, think a little bit about what new things can we do for clients? Mm-hmm. And so that's where we might ask them questions like what's got your attention and what are you mm-hmm. concerned about and those things. Or we can we can talk about how can we do it better and provide a better experience. So, you know, we might say, we might ask, about what parts of our process do you find most valuable? You know, what, what, what parts do you really look forward to? What, what things, mm-hmm. you know, were, if we could change something, what would make the biggest difference? You know, those kinds of things to find clues about how you can improve that client journey you were talking about. Well, well yeah. And, and sometimes it's straight up asking. And sometimes, like you said, it's being a bit more creative because, I mean, you get a lot of blank stares uh, or, or in our quantitative work, blank <laughs> forms, blanks. just <laughs> blanks, right? Um, about, you know, what can we do differently? Because people will almost always tend towards simple transactional components. They're, they're not thinking in terms of the bigger picture, but, uh, you know, we, we go through a client journey mapping with, with an, a number of different uh, of our clients. And I, I, I'm just a firm believer in, in the exercise where, you know, you map out the stages that clients go through, and then you, you determine effectively what they're thinking and feeling and doing at each stage. Now, the, the problem is you can't actually determine what they're thinking, feeling and doing at each right. stage, yeah, right. right? We've got to ask them. Um, and, and one of the, one of the traps I think we fall into is if you think about a client journey map, and you think about, say, five or six stages, let's say onboarding is one of those, our tendency is to focus on that stage. So what's working with onboarding? What did you find frustrating? And, and that's like, that's important, valuable work. Where I think some of the innovation comes is between the stages. It's like the, the space between the stages, if you will. So, you know, what what's going on uh, when clients are uh, getting ready to come in for a review meeting with you? What's what's going on between the time they sign up and the time the money is actually transferred, you know, into into a different account? That's where often the the emotion and the anxiety and the concern and the questions often never asked start to emerge. And 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 all of a sudden innovation, big or small, starts to become apparent. You know, I, you know, one of the examples I often use, although, you know, my husband would kill me if he could hear how often I use this but you know this idea that if if we're if we're going in for a review meeting at some subconscious level it will unearth like anxiety uh, you know and, right, and that sure. could come out in the form of I don't know at a loud discussion for example however if if an advisor knew that like if they understood that space between the stages 
they could easily reach out and say, look, here's, you know, here's three questions for you guys to talk about that are designed to put you on the same page. Here's, uh, you know, what, what would be helpful for you as a couple to, to, to do together to make sure that, you know, you get rid of it. So, so that's what I mean where it feels small, but it's still an innovation and process because you actually looked not just at the stage, but before and after that. Right. And, and, and it may look small, but it can mm-hmm. end up being very significant. So sure. if, if you look, you know, if there is an issue, for example, in it, between a married couple regarding some financial issue and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you might look at your financial planning process and, and you might say, well, they're going to have to come to some decision one way or the other, and then we can move forward. And so that might look like a fairly small thing when it comes to your financial planning process. But if you, but if you can help them overcome that, that might be revolutionary. I mean, they might, yeah. They might feel totally different about their relationship with money. So it could actually, it may look small, but it could be a really big thing. Absolutely. Hi, it's Julie here, and I hope you're enjoying today's discussion. Hi, it is Julie here. I just wanted to jump in and let you know about a resource that I thought you might find interesting. You know, we've long believed that one of the best ways to drive more referrals is to bridge the referral gap. And that's the gap between the referrals your clients are making and those that you're actually meeting. The opportunity is significant, and I've uh, more than once said that advisors are sitting on a mountain of untapped referral potential. So if you've ever wondered about what that means for your business, we've created a free tool that you might find helpful. You can use our referral potential calculator by going to referralcalculator.com. Simply enter four numbers for your business, and we'll generate a personalized report just for you. It's as easy as that. And so innovation, that's what I think the face of innovation can be small, but it can be incredibly impactful. But but we've got to approach it in a different way, right? It can't all be about efficiency. It can't be what right. tactics other people are using. We've got to do that that hard work. And, and you know, I guess that, that can come in different forms. It, it can be uh, through a survey process of asking very creative questions designed to unearth that. I think you and I both have recommended the idea of interviewing clients about their, uh, you know, their greatest experience or the experience that's had the most impact. And I think that's another way of unearthing innovative ideas, but don't ask, how am I doing? Ask, tell me about some other experience that was extraordinary for you. Right. You know, and you start to see trends and that's where I think these ideas come from. Yep. Another um, another thing that I like to do with with advisors is to suggest, um, you know, because we can't because we can't expect the clients to come up with the best ideas mm-hmm. is to um, uh, is to if you you alluded to this before, either suggest something and mm-hmm. see what their response to it is. We do yep. this in advisory boards all yep. the time. You know, if, mm-hmm. you, if, if, if you've gotten clues and you think you could improve your process somehow, put it out in front of your board. Sure. What if we did this? Rip it mm-hmm. apart for me. Tell me what's yeah. good and what's bad. Or, um, you or you can try something. And and I, I you know I, I I like to look at uh, you know the pandemic as sort of a, what an economist would call a natural experiment. Yes. Where you know it's one thing to go to to, to all of your clients. Like let's think specifically about your retired clients, mm-hmm. and to say, what would you think about meeting virtually instead of coming into the office? Right. And when we did that before the pandemic, overwhelming. Nope. No, I yeah. like seeing you in person. You know, yeah. now that we've been forced to do it for a while, 
we ask those the people, you know, that same profile, that question, they're like, no, it's pretty good. We like this. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you can do that in little ways. You know, you can, you can mm-hmm. try something little. You can just put it out there, try it a couple of times, and then go out and ask, how was that? Is that something yeah. you'd like us to keep doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like all great design. It's iterative, and it's right. built right. from small experiments where you just – you know, if, if you if you start to think of your business like a living lab, right, right. try things just, you know, it's yeah. never going to go horribly wrong if you ask someone if they want a meeting or you send a different communication or, or what have you. If you're if you're thinking about full pivots, right, <laughs> get some data <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and we exactly. can, you know, I can t- I can share some examples of, of clients that we've worked with who've, who've truly innovated in big, big ways. But um but mostly it's just experimentation. Well, can, can you share one, one of those examples about a big one? Because it would be interesting to pull that apart. Well, yeah. I mean, gosh, I, as I was thinking about this topic, there was a, a number of things that, that came to mind. And, and I, I'll actually share something because just this morning so, something yeah. came to mind. I was, I was meeting with uh, uh, a woman that I know who has just started a new business called um, Next Chapter Lifestyle Advisors. And she she was an advisor, but their goal is working through advisors with clients to help them think about the non-financial aspects of retirement. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, that's an example of innovation. So if you, if you kind of tease that apart, an advisor would need to A, be working with a certain target market, pre-retirees or moving into retirement. They would need to have a sense from their clients of where the struggles were, right? And, and it's not always financial. What are the fears? What are the anxieties? What's keeping them up at night? And then the innovation becomes, well, providing some support. So, you know, a group like that, or there's, there's other ways to do it. But I thought, yeah. And, and what really struck me is she was talking about the fact that they will, they will help couples think about relate the impact on relationships in retirement. I mean, some topics that frankly, advisors are scared to go there, right? Because it opens (laughs) up, uh, but, but that's an innovation just because you, you listened to what clients were really feeling and going into mm-hmm. retirement. This isn't about their plan. They're going to have the money. That's fine. Um, so, you know, something like that. I mean, the, some of the bigger ones, though, we've worked with, uh, with one organization last year. It was pre-pandemic, but it came to fruition during the pandemic where they'd been thinking long and hard about expanding their offer, sort of going into the non-financial, not directly, but through a series of partners. And so the input there was very much about what are your big challenges? How do you find answers to these challenges today? Where do Mm -hmm. the solutions come from? Would you even be interested in talking to us if we had some solution? You know, there's a whole series of, of questions that you have to get down to in order to say we can actually support. So they built a whole curated offer. Um, Another client offered a full legal uh, support program based on some deeper analysis of their uh, high net worth clients and their business owner clients. So that's where I'm seeing a lot of the innovation, I think, is like you mentioned it earlier on the services side, Mm -hmm. but you're not going to just jump in without right. some real data on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and I, 
I have a, an example on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. A, a, an advisor that I know came out with, uh, you know, with a service and he thought it was a great idea and I thought it was a great idea. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he ran full charge into it, invested tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. building it and, you know, was able to, uh, to deploy it to a whole bunch of people. And mm-hmm. what he found was that nobody renewed. And, you know, after all of that investment, it just stopped after, right. after the first annual subscription was up because he didn't, he didn't go out into the market and test it. He didn't ask those clients. Mm-hmm. He just, he thought it was a good idea and he got real excited about it and he built the entire thing out without any feedback. Yeah. And yeah. it's not around anymore because um, as it turns out, he was a little off the mark, but it's, you know, it's like shooting for the moon. You know, if you're mm-hmm. off by a half a degree, yeah. you're going to miss it by tens of thousands of miles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we fall in love with our own ideas. That's fair. Exactly. Every sure. day I do that. So <laughs> I, I understand the, the dilemma. Um, you know, the other area I think that, that insight becomes critical, and I know this is an area you talk to clients about, is, is being able to deliver a a segmented client experience based on different client personas or different target audiences, right? So just, just the fundamental idea that if you're dealing with younger clients versus older clients, that the experience needs to be different. Well, but how, like in, it's so easy to, to make assumptions about that kind of thing. So I, I do think that just understanding the fundamentals of what they're interested in, what they need, what they expect can be really critical if you're going down that path as well. Right. And, and even what you call it. And I know that, you know, some, some firms have come out with, um, you know, segmented offers for the next generation, for example. Yeah. And so the next generation, their, their needs are not as complex. They don't have as much money. Mm-hmm. So they're simpler. And so they could, they could offer a scaled down offering and whether or not that's a good idea is a whole separate argument. But, um, but, but part of part of the issue is what do you call that? And I, I've heard firms call things like that, like our small client solutions. Well, <laughs> who wants to be part of that? No, no not right? that. <laughs> you know, Anything. so e- even just figuring out how to describe it and how to talk about yeah. it, you know, there's a there's a there's a, a critical client feedback element to that as well. Well, yeah, and I think you and I have talked about this idea that uh, there's a at a certain age, nobody uses the word retirement or cares about retirement, and yet they need right. to plan for that next phase. And I'm seeing a lot of creativity, for better or for worse, trying to trying to package that up. But I think that's again, like we we've just made this assumption that the fundamental words we're using are, are actually right. resonating, right. and they yeah. may not. Well, exactly. And, and uh, to, to give you, you know, to you sort of a dramatic example of that, you know, you and I know that, that if you can get somebody in their 20s to start saving meaningfully mm-hmm. for retirement, their retirement's going to be way easier because yeah. of, you know, the time value of money and the, you know, cumulative effects of all that. But, you know, try to sit a 20 something down and talk about mm-hmm. retirement. They yeah. don't have any goals there. So we know they need to do it. We, I, I believe that you can get them really excited about doing that, mm-hmm. but you can't call it retirement because no. that's just so far away that they just have no interest in that, in that word. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's, I mean, again, I think the, the most creativity that we're seeing, the most innovative things that we're seeing are when advisors are, are really digging into the emotional side and what clients are experiencing and feeling more than just the practical side. Was that easy? Was it, you know, it's interesting. One of the, 
I don't know what firm this comes from, but, you know, one of the metrics that is touted as one of the most correlated stats with things like net promoter score is it's easy to work with my advisor. And funny, we just did a big study where that absolutely came up as one of the most stated importance was really high. Um, The problem is it's when you really dig into it, it's not the thing that's driving satisfaction and the depth of the relationship and, and engagement. It's table stakes, really. Um, oh, okay. And so we, we kind of we can get caught up in table stakes and think think it's innovative when when it's really when it's really not. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. One 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 of one of the, one thing an idea that's related to that, and this this too could be an interesting area of innovation, mm-hmm. <clears throat> is uh, getting to that effortless experience kind of idea. Mm-hmm is um is anticipating the next problem mm-hmm. so if 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 you know if you watch how your uh how how clients interact with your firm and you know if you look at it closely you might discover that a, a meaningful proportion you know if a client needs to do something they need to add to their account they need to pull money from their mm-hmm. account they they want to call you up and have them have you wire money to them something like that mm-hmm. and that you and if one if you look and measure it um, you might find that 20% or 25% or, or some, some proportion of those clients end up getting hung up. Oh, I send me, send me a thousand dollars to my account. Oh, well, you know, there's no connection between your mm-hmm. bank and your account yet. That's going to take us two days yeah. to set up yeah, yeah. or, or, you know, if, if you, if you, if they ask you how to do something and they go to do it and a meaningful proportion of them do it wrong, you know, how, how can you, what what kind of innovation can you bring in to anticipate and head off that next problem yeah. so that when when you have that first interaction it goes away it's yeah. all done and they're very you know and and they're happy that that you could take care of it so efficiently even if even if when the mistake happens your staff is fabulous and they just rush mm-hmm. to the rescue and and you know you still have that extra interaction you didn't necessarily need to have. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and to that extent, I think creating a, a truly effortless experience can be innovative. So I don't, I don't want to dismiss that. Um, I just think it's understanding the difference between what's innovative and what's expected. Right. Um, right. And, right. and it's, yeah. And, and so it doesn't have the emotional connection, but look, if you can help people be more organized and make it easy, um, you know, and, and even as you say that, I'm, I'm thinking about some discussions we're having about the next level of analysis, which is, you know, input and feedback is, you know, largely either point in time or it's looking back, right? Mm-hmm. How, did, how did we do? Sure. And I'm particularly interested in more what can we learn that actually becomes predictive, right? When you, when you can marry different points of input with behaviors and, you know, now you're really anticipating right, yeah, what they're yeah, going to yeah. need. So I think there's so much more to come on this, but, but that's, you know, that's big data kind of stuff. Right. I think for, for individual advisors or small teams, you know, just really locking in on that client journey truly asking what your clients are experiencing and asking them what they experienced, not just in the moment, but before it happened, after it happened, what words they'd use. You know, I think that's going to, to create all sorts of opportunities to, to innovate and to stand out. Yep. I totally agree. It's a big, it's a big area and it's, it's a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
So, so we there that's 30 yeah. minutes on innovation. I think we tackled every possible <laughs> We could talk about that all day, but it was it was good to have this chat, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Very good. Thanks. Take care. Hey folks, Steve again. Thanks for joining us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really helps. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. So until next time, so long.